0: Happy Sabbath and we're so glad that you chose to join us today. This conversation that we have over scripture is how we believe that we learn and grow best is when we study together, listen to what God is speaking to us and through us. To one another. And so we invite you to also be part of this conversation. We love it when you write into to us, you send us your questions, your comments, um, your feedback on what we're discussing, because it allows you to also be a part of the conversation that we share and we get to learn from all of you. If you have been joining us the past few weeks, you know that we've been studying the book of Hebrews. We've been on this journey through the book of Hebrews for the past two weeks. We've looked at the book as a whole, the structure, the author, the, the message, and the themes of the book of Hebrews. Today, we dive into the very first chapter, and I am so excited to have my colleague, Pastor Philip milo here today with us. Um but Philip? Thank hey you for Joey. joining us.
1: Hey, thank you for being, uh, well, I should say thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, grateful to be here. Yeah,
0: and you, you've you been here before, but just in case people aren't familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah,
1: sure. So I am the young adult pastor here at the University Church. I have uh, been in ministry for almost a decade now since I was in seminary. Wow, it's been a long time. Wow. Uh, I have two kids. Finishing my doctorate here this next year. So I'm pretty excited about that. But yeah, I just have a passion for God's word, a passion for expounding on it and uh, young people in the world. So this is a very relevant topic that we're actually going to cover in in several aspects on some of my pet topics that I really like. So I'm excited for this.
0: I'm excited to join you in that discussion. But before we do, let's have a word of prayer. Good and gracious God, we want to thank you so much for being a God who didn't leave us to our own devices, but you came down in the flesh to be with us, to save us from this terrible situation we got ourselves in mm. called sin. Mm. And so as we dive into scripture, we ask that you continue to guide us, inform us, and help us to be open and listening to your voices, our prayer mm-hmm. in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: So let's, let's read the passage together. I'll be let's reading from it. the New International Version, Hebrews chapter 1, reading verses 1 through 4. The Bible reads, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Mm. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Mm. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Mm. Wow. So this this passage, it's I mean, it's beautiful in the English. In, in the Greek, it's it's almost poetic, right? Really? Yeah. It's it's just this this way that the author of Hebrews selects his words, and it's just this beautiful like montage mm. that he creates. So mm. I wanted to start by asking you, are you? a poet do you like do you enjoy good. because i just imagine (laughs) philip you just seem like the type of guy that would write sonnets to your wife and and read them to her as you've prepared a picnic (laughs) on a beautiful grassy (laughs) lawn with grapes and she's just eating grapes and you're do i have this
1: right you've gone a little bit too far buddy (laughs) maybe in our in our courtship days there was a little bit of that i just recently found this uh box, ceramic box that I'd made. It was a heart. I was working at camp. I was 19 years old there in uh, Idaho and and I had this love box and I would put little love notes in there. So there was a time yes. I did that. Uh, you're calling me out right now. <laughs> I need to start doing that in these married years. Husbands, don't give up on your wives right now. Let me yeah. just say that to you directly. Love them all throughout this season of their life yeah. and in marriage. So, you know, I haven't been as faithful as the author of Hebrews has in yeah. in in his <laughs> delicate word choices and yeah, yeah. But how about you? Are you a poet? Are you an artist? I, I am not. I, I you know I've tried. Okay, you've not tried. not
0: for not for lack of effort, but I am just not a poet. I I remember when I was in college, I had asked a friend of mine to a banquet ah. because you know. We have in this, we don't do dances. We do banquets. Yes, right? yes, yes. So I asked her to a banquet, and um, we all the men. And I'm not sure why it was on the men and not the women to uh, do this, uh-huh. but we had to write po- poetry to our our dates, and then they would read them, and then the dates had to guess
1: oh. who, which
0: man wrote this <laughs> poem, right? And you know, as someone who was training to be a pastor people kind of expected, I guess, that I would be, I would write this profoundly beautiful thing. And yeah, so, yeah. but I had a friend of mine that did write write this beautiful thing and my date said, oh, was that you? And I was like, <laughs> that was not me. Was, I wrote this thing with "roses are red, violets oh, are okay. blue." It was yes. just terrible. It was just terrible. Not very creative. I felt so. I felt so uh, bad to her that I should have put more effort into that. Yeah, but yeah. no, I am not a poet. That's and all right. That's yeah, all right. and I wouldn't be able to write as something as beautiful as the author of
1: Hebrews. Oh man.
0: So I, I'm just kind of wondering, why do you think he begins with such such beauty at the beginning of yeah. of his of
1: his letter? I think that there is a necessity for beauty to come into theology and Christian work so much more than it is maybe in today's world. We don't think about architecture as it once was valued. We don't think about artwork as it once was back in the past. I mean, I think music to some degree, but I think you know, the author here, Paul, I believe, wrote wrote the book of Hebrews. I know some would say someone else. So I'll use the word Paul throughout our time. But I think he really is expounded on the most important topic of Scripture. And I think to set it up, he had to use the most beautiful language to speak of it. And so I think that was the reason maybe why he's beginning to discuss Jesus, his work, his efforts on our behalf the promised one to come, and now let me use the language that would represent who he is and what he did in the best possible way. Wow, That's how I look at it.
0: So because the message was so beautiful, he wanted to use a language to describe it that was also equally yeah. As
1: beautiful. Yeah, that's how I would see it. What, yeah. what are you thinking
0: on yeah, that? I, I do think so. And I think there's something compelling about poetry. Mm-hmm. It, it makes a point, it speaks to a heart yeah. in ways that just regular prose
1: Yeah. Doesn't always. Yes. Right? Yes.
0: And there is something powerful about that. So this it seems like because he took so much time to craft this Mm. beautiful language, Mm. it does seem like this is important to him. Yeah. What he's saying here is very important to the author. Do you get that sense as well?
1: Oh absolutely. It's very important. And I think it also speaks another thing about the author. He was an educated person. Mm, yeah. You know, this wasn't the work of potentially one of the disciples who were just fishermen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a work of someone who understood language, mm-hmm. uh, was educated in the way that they were in back in that time in Jewish history of, of how they were educated. So he understood language significantly. Yeah. So it shows to the intellect of the individual as well. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. something to note. I think the other thing it points out too is the fact of of value. Hmm. It gives more significant value to this book that I think I'm not trying to diminish uh, other Christian communities, but I I do think for some reason it has not found its place in Christian community as it should. The book of Hebrews is one of the most profound works in the New Testament, and yet uh, the value that Paul was hoping everyone would get out of it doesn't seem to have come into the Christian community as significantly as it does. Maybe one of the chapters, Hebrews 11, the faith chapter 12 there. But besides that, it's like an ignored book. I don't hear a lot of sermons on the book of Hebrews. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think this might be a niche for us as Seventh-day Adventists Mm -hmm. to bring out more to the Christian world and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since Hebrews
0: makes so explicit the connection between the Old Testament and the New. Yes. Right? That, this, that everything ha- that happens in the New is actually building upon what happened in the
1: Old mm-hmm. and creating something even more powerful. Mm-hmm, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I also do, I guess, want to mention that he's bringing out the fact that Jesus is the Son. Mm. I think in some spaces, in some circles, people gravitate to the word son and almost espouse it to being lesser to them Mm -hmm. the son is not as great as the father yes and therefore god the father is of supreme value the pinnacle of it all Mm -hmm. and god the son is but of a lesser image of the father and i think that's plagued us in christian community and it has distorted our image in many other religious groups. Yeah. For instance, if you talk about the Muslim community, um, I've heard debates regularly on, on Islam, Christianity, and one of the things that seems to always come up, you say you are a monotheistic mm. religion, and yet you have three gods. Yeah. How is it? you know? And so I think we have to be really careful when we talk about the sun mm. that you regularly should interpose God, in that word there, God came and died for us. Yeah. God created the world. God acted. So uh, don't ever, I think I'm speaking to our viewership here, don't ever let the idea of the Son and the name Jesus Christ diminish what you think about who that really is. That is God himself mm. who died in our place. Yeah. You know. So when Jesus died on the cross, God died on the cross. Yeah. They were all there. The yeah. Trinity was in the sun mm-hmm. in that moment. So I think that's one thing that I think is really important. Um, if I can you know, talk about my college days, I remember a professor of mine who became the chair of the Department of, of Religion and Theology at Andrews. He said, Philip, uh, you seem to have a little handle on the, the, the Greek language. He was really stretching it when he said that. But,
0: <laughs> but he... You he well, hi- were a scholar. Ah, I don't know about
1: scholar. that. I don't know about that. <laughs> but he wanted me to really look up the word monogenes mm. in Greek, which is where John 3.16 says, for, I have, uh, for there is the begotten son. Mm-hmm. And this word begotten is a very unique word. Mm-hmm. And it literally in the Greek also means one of a kind. Mm-hmm. It is unique in its usage because it really was never used again in the New Testament. Wow. It really wasn't used in other extra-biblical sources of ancient ancient history. Mm-hmm. There were only several other uses. And again, it always pointed to, as one of the other ancient authors in, in an extra-biblical source pointed to this, this bird, this falcon-like bird. It was unique. And so it was used that same word, monogenes. It was of a special kind that had never been. Um, And I think that's another thing that is really interesting to me is that Jesus is one of a kind.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The Son is a one of a kind. And when we look at this text in the beginning here, it said God spoke to us through the prophets, but now he's going to speak to us in one of a kind. Mm -hmm. The prophets you had many of, Mm. they spoke to you a lot of times, but now I'm going to speak to you. Yeah. in a one of a kind way. Yeah. So what God
0: is doing through the sun has never been seen before. Yes, yeah, it's an original. it yes. is it is exclusive. It yes. is different. And there does seem to be a sense of that in the way that the author of Hebrews writes this because um, this in the Greek, this whole seventy two words that are found in verses one through four, they really hinge on one verb, a single verb that Mm. holds it all together. And Mm. that is that word spoke, Ah. that God spoke, right? So all of these things uh, circulate around this verb that God spoke through his son. Mm. That's the most important point that he wants to drive in was that this is something is happening here. Mm. Something special is happening Mm. here. So what do you think the author of, of, of Hebrews experienced or when he found out that God had spoken through his son. I mean, God had virtually been silent for like 400 years, right? Right, right, right.
1: right. So by
0: the end of the Old Testament with Malachi, till Jesus came, Mm -hmm. there hadn't been the the flood of prophets that there were before. So you had 400 years of silence, which if you think about it, 400 years ago, that's like the 1600s, right? Yeah, it is. So much has changed since the 1600s. That's a long time. What do, you, what do you think the author experienced when, when he finally realized, wow, God is now speaking again
1: mm. to us? You know, it's a very difficult question because we in our 21st century thinking and experience of God don't have a history mm. of prophets just roaming around speaking into people's lives. You know, as an Adventist community, we're unique in that, hey, We had someone who did exist early 19th century uh, into the 20th there in the beginning, Ellen White, that took on the role of prophet. But I wasn't around. You know, I didn't get to talk to her. I didn't get to see that, hear that, you know. But um, we do have this idea and the notion that the book of Malachi even points to and now here it says again, in the last days, there will be again this notion of prophet speaking Mm -hmm. to people's lives. But It is very unique to realize, wow, God was going to again send a voice, physical, verbal. You could touch, feel, talk to Jesus. Whoa. Um, I think this was a really important thing for Paul to bring out, that he wanted everyone to recognize, you experienced this in your history in the past, but now I want you to experience it in a very unique and different way again in the future. Yeah, uh, What are you getting at when you think of that question? Yeah,
0: like you were saying, I think the specialness of what's happening here. Like he really wants his readers to understand this is something different. This is something special. And that theme, we've talked about this in previous weeks, that theme of specialness seems to run throughout the book of Hebrews. Mm. Like you had this before, you had Moses, you had yeah. the priest, you had all of these things before, yeah. but you never had something like
1: this. Mm-hmm. This
0: is different, like yeah. you were saying. This yeah. is unique. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because this is not just another prophet, mm. it's not something that's even. Inferior to God, and that's the point that you were making, yeah, right? Yeah. That sometimes when we hear the word "son" or the word "begotten," it it makes us think that oh, that the son is somehow subordinate to right, the father, right, right? Right. But that that this is actually the wording that he uses here. That he um, that. Uh, The sun is the radiance in verse 3, is the radiance of God's glory Mm. and the exact representation of his being. Mm. I mean, the imagery, the beautiful imagery that's used here, like, is there any difference between the radiance of a sun and the sun itself? Mm. Like the sun, how we perceive the sun is through the radiance, Mm. right? Mm. So that there is no difference in quality between the radiance of God's glory and the glory itself. Yeah the exact imprint yeah. right it's almost the imagery here is like a seal right yeah. is there a difference between the seal and the imprint of the seal i mean they're identical in how they look mm. so that the quality of the two things are the same mm. is it seems like mm. what he's trying to say mm. i mean is that what you're yeah. getting oh opinion? yeah
1: oh yeah the idea of twins mm-hmm. you couldn't yeah. tell the difference like wow when i you know my wife um, is many times mistaken from a, her sister. Mm-hmm. They look very similar, but they're different, right? Yeah. The I can tell after I've looked at them. Yeah. You know, I hope you can tell. I can tell, <laughs> I can tell very easily after I look at them. I, I know who my wife is. But many people didn't. They didn't know Elena. They didn't know Ariana. And they're like, I saw your wife and you walking down through the school. I was like, oh, that was my sister, actually. Like, oh, okay. But here it's like, no, you can't tell the difference. Mm. It's an exact Mm -hmm. representation yes it is god's glory in Mm -hmm. the sun so when for instance john looks at my doppelganger in the scriptures philip Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, he he looks at him in john 14 9 and he says Mm -hmm. philip i've been with you for so long Mm -hmm. how do you not know the father how jesus it almost to me it's like he's perplexed the hands are out like how in the world bro you've been around me for so long if you've seen me, you've seen the father Yeah. because there is an exactness to us. Yes. I am the father and he is me. We are one. Yeah. I mean, to me, that I think is a very um, important concept yeah. for us to recognize. But I also think culturally, mm. it's a very important thing to discuss. When you talk about evangelism, I'm a pastor, I, I have an evangelistic heart I always want to reach someone for Jesus. I want to help them make a decision for Christ. But a lot of times I use the hook, hey, come to my church. Yeah. As opposed to, come, let me share with you about someone yeah. who is God and who was the best representation that you and I could experience, see in some way mm. through the written text. It was very difficult to talk about God before Jesus. Yeah, It was like, there's this force that's around us. I've spoken to, I've heard. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, no, no, no. Let me tell you of the person who existed, what he did, what he spoke. And so I think, I don't know what you think about this, Joy. I'd love to hear what you think. We probably don't talk about what Jesus did and his teachings with people enough. Mm. We almost want to assume that if someone comes to church, mm. they'll get it all. Yeah. And it's much easier if they can just be part of the Christian community, but we don't speak about Jesus and his teachings enough Mm. where someone can encounter transformation through that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, how could we ever say
0: that we contemplate Jesus enough, right? Because Jesus is at the core of Scripture. But maybe, is, is that what accounts for the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament? Because I know people sometimes talk about Oh, this was the New Testament God and this is the Old Testament God. Right. Like there's a difference. Right, right. It seems like what the author of Hebrews is saying and this is the theme that seems to run throughout the Old Te- the New Testament is the idea that the Old Testament God and the New Testament God is the same God. Yeah. Jesus was the God who created. Yeah. Jesus was the God who was there at Mount Sinai and met with Moses. Jesus is that same God. Yes. He was there. So preach it brother. Is it <laughs> Is the difference then in more of about perception because hmm. like you said we had the Old Testament authors They had experiences with God, Mm. but not in the same way Mm. that the New Testament authors Mm. did because they got to live with God. For three and a half years, they got to live with God and be with God and spend time with God. That is a whole other type of relationship Mm. than Mm. once in a while getting a message or God speaking through intermediaries, like sending messengers to, to people. So is that what accounts for the difference between mm. the Old Testament and the New Testament? They mm. just didn't get to experience God the oh, same way yeah. as that.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I resonate with what you said so much. Mm-hmm. I I think that when you get to experience someone firsthand, you mm-hmm. have a firsthand account yeah. completely different. Yeah. I think of our Bible reading plan that we're going through right now. Mm-hmm. We're going through the Bible in a year as a church. Yeah. It's amazing. If you have not yet joined us, join us in that. Uh, We're on day 13, January 13. Um, Anyways, the the story of Abraham Mm. hearing from God, he, I'm assuming, must have heard a voice Mm. as opposed to just, I'm sensing God leading in this way. You know, we don't normally say, hey, God told me. I heard a voice from heaven speak out loudly. An angel showed up in front of me. You know, Abraham Got some direction, Mm -hmm. and even got to see a representation when he came and um, when the angels came. The three, I guess, uh, strangers, as the text kind of points out, came to visit Abraham and his wife. Hey, you're gonna have a son. Sarah laughs like, "What? No way!" You know, it said God was there. Yes. But that was very unique for Abraham to experience that. Everyone else, nope, they didn't get that experience. They didn't get to hear God say, "Hey, move, go to this place. You're gonna get the promise." And so the fact that Jesus would have showed up to potentially thousands of people, made himself known, I am God, Mm. in his own way, the Son of Man, the Son of God, that is powerful. Mm. That is very unique. It is so special. And then it was recorded, the words he spoke and said for generations, as 2 Timothy says, for all of time, Mm. to hear the word that it might be a scripture- to teach, rebuke, correct, and to learn from. Mm. It is so, so special. Yeah. It is so special. It's a completely different experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, it's like, it's like the difference about reading about somebody from history, like mm-hmm. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. So many of us mm-hmm. have read stories about his life. Yeah. Some of us have watched movies about, yeah. it, about things that he's done. But it would be a completely different relationship if we got to live. Yeah. with Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. for three and a half years. Yeah. Right? We would know him in a way yeah. that just by reading history, it's, it would be impossible yes. for us yeah. to know.
1: There's a historical film that I, I really like. It's it's based on the life of William Wallace. Mm. And uh, he was one of Scotland's greatest kind of epic heroes who brought independence to the people of Scotland and in many ways. Anyways, in the film that was depicting his life, it it showed him kind of getting out in the field before the battle. And he said, I am William Wallace. And the men said, one guy comments, he's like, wait, I thought William Wallace was seven feet tall. <laughs> and he killed like a thousand people with just his pinky. And then William Wallace says, you know, and I probably did this and this and this, but I am he, you know. Yeah. Sometimes our... Fabled images Mm -hmm. about people can be larger than life. Mm -hmm. And then you meet them, you're like, ah, that didn't meet my expectations. I think when we think about Jesus, the encounter, a genuine encounter Mm -hmm. with him in times of reading and meditating on who he is, Mm -hmm. in times of prayer, in miraculous experiences where you're like, wow, I had an experience with God. It is so powerful and life-changing, it will never be a letdown. Mm. If you're genuinely open to experiencing the Son yeah. in the way that He wants to you to experience Him, where you might see God's glory. And I guess I wonder that question for those who are watching right now. Mm-hmm. Are you open to experiencing the glory of God? Mm. Are you open to allowing the wonder and awe of who he is to really penetrate your life. Yeah. Not just hearing the fables, the, the stories of, wow, God did this, God did that, but something that he will do for you. I, for a long time, have wondered, God, when are you going to act in my life as you did in my parents' life, in my siblings' life? And so today I would challenge you, pray for God to show up in your life in a mirac- miraculous way. That you might have a firsthand taste of who God is.
0: Wow. Wow. That's so powerful. That we can experience God personally, that we don't have to have to just go off of what scripture says. Yeah. Although that is powerful. It speaks to us directly. But also that we can experience God for ourselves in our personal lives. Mm That 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 really is the beauty of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And again, another Person of the Godhead yeah. that sort of gets subjugated to the rest. Is this right. the Holy Spirit? Is, is Holy the Spirit like God? Is yeah. it just like an ethereal being? Right. As if in substance the Holy Spirit were something different yes. than God. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But the the reality is that God is, God the Father is the same as God the Son mm. and God the Holy Spirit. Mm. They are three in one, which mm. is really hard for us to grasp. Mm. but doesn't make it any less true. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, you you mentioned something earlier on that I I guess I'd love to know what you're thinking about. You used this word that Paul talked about here, in these last days. Mm -hmm. What does that mean exactly, in these last days? This was written almost 2,000 years ago. Yeah. And he speaks of it as if he was in the last days. Yeah. What, what does that mean to us? Yeah, I mean, the, the lesson,
0: it, it talks about how the prophets used that term in different ways. Sometimes uh-huh. they, they used it to just describe the future. Uh-huh. But in more technical ways, it described what would happen when Jesus, the Messiah, finally came, mm, right? Mm. And so in a way, we are in the last days. The last days were inaugurated with the coming of Jesus, which is why the writer of Hebrews can say that they're in the last days. Mm. But the last days really won't end until Jesus comes again. Ah, and so that second. is the second coming of Jesus mm. and the latter days there. But I, I loved how the lesson talked about different things that would happen during the last days, mm. um, th- th- that the prophecies point to... F- Um, both the idea that God would um, destroy the enemies of God's people, Mm. but also embrace the nations, Mm. which seems like two very contradictory thoughts, right? Mm. That God is destroying enemies, but he's embracing everyone. How can God do both? So how do you handle that? How do you handle the message that's found throughout scripture of God really um, just protecting his people and, and, in enacting vengeance on other nations for, for hurting his people, but then mm. also being very inclusive mm. of other nations, mm. some of whom were enemies yes. of God's
1: people. Yeah, you know, that is such a powerful image that the nations would come. Yeah. There was uh, an artist from the 16th century that I was just looking at his painting uh, this last week, and it depicted different nationalities yeah. at the manger. And so it was someone of a darker skin, a very lighter skin, of a unique Mm -hmm. light brown skin. And it was was like, wow. And you realize the artist was very specific in doing that. It portrayed the nations at the foot of the manger. Mm. And then it gives this illusion again of, wow, at the second time, the Messiah will appear. Now as a crowned and royal king the nations again will appear Mm -hmm. of all cultures and colors and kinds and languages and i think that's a very important thing we can get very um blinded almost like horses who are forced to put blinders on so that they stay focused but it's it's really also a blinding we put on ourselves by who we're around regularly Mm. certain parts of the country there are only certain races different parts of a city where you're around your church you know a lot of our churches actually around the world, Christian churches are not very diverse. Mm. I think it's like about 90% of churches are monocultural. Wow. People of the same color, same language present there. Mm. And then of those that you could actually term diverse, it's like 5%, particularly in America. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wow. There's an unfortunate reality to that because you forget it's not just my kind that will be there, mm-hmm. Jesus will bring. The nations.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: And that's, it's difficult because we do, as people, tend to flock to people who are like us. It's right. easier right. to be right. around people who are like us, right? Um, there's not as much of a learning curve. There's not as many awkward moments. Yeah. But at the same time, we don't grow as much yeah. if we're just around people who think like us, who believe yeah. like us, who have cultures that are exactly like us. There is something powerful that happens when we are with people who are different mm. than us. Mm. Um, and yet that seems to be what God is drawing us to is the idea that that is opening up the people of God to all nations. And the reality is neither you or, not, or I would be a part of this community of Christ if God didn't do that, because mm. neither of us—I don't think you're Jewish. I'm not. Right? I'm not spiritual <laughs> so, Jew. <a> spiritual <laughs> Jew. But I, if God didn't open it up to the nations, if He didn't open it up to the Gentiles, neither one of us would be a part of this community. of so true. A faith. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So while we like to think about that in theory, we don't always do that well Mm, in practice mm, so how how do we do better at that mm, and how do we reconcile this idea of god embracing the nations but still pushing back against the people who hurt his people
1: yeah you know know, this discussion could obviously get almost political in nature you know when businesses have to hire now there's new protocols hey you need to make sure you're gender inclusive Mm. uh, race inclusive all kinds of things um but I think when it comes to Jesus, he draws simply everyone who is open to him. Yeah. Are you open to me? Yeah. I want you. Mm. You are my creation. You are my child, my son, my daughter. I don't care if you don't represent the majority culture or the majority of this, majority of that. I want all of you. Mm. And when we all come together, we realize we're a minority. Yeah. You know, um, and, I, and I also think when we look at verse... Three, and we keep going, you realize why and how he has drawn us all. It says, after he has provided purifications for our sins. Hmm. That is why Jesus draws everyone. Hmm. Because he's done something that only he could do. Something that was only given him to do. The angels couldn't do it. The prophets couldn't do it. You and i can 't do it,, yeah. but that purification of sin goes through culture, goes mm-hmm. through race, gender, mm-hmm. all of it socioeconomic class, the wealthy as long as well as the poor yeah. all need that purification
0: Wow, 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 so Jesus then becomes the center, yeah. Jesus becomes the crux, the yeah. defining characteristic of those people. Who follow him yeah. is are the people who follow jesus yeah rather than what it was before that you were a part of the jewish people mm-hmm. you're you were part of a certain race or na- nationality mm-hmm. that's what set you apart yeah in here god has sort of reframed that and say, no it's not about whether you are a a physical child of abraham
1: right right
0: it's not that you are you know that you were of this line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's because you chose to follow Christ yeah. that now redefines who the people of God yes. are.
1: And following Christ and choosing to receive mm. the work he's done on your behalf. Yeah. The purification. Yes. Some people may say, hey, I follow the teachings yeah. of Jesus, but are you actually receiving what he's done for you? Yeah. Or do you keep thinking you need to do it? I remember uh, our church was going on a trip to Israel. Yeah. Israel's a beautiful place. I've gotten to go there a few times. haven't explored it as much as I'd like, but I remember the one time when Elaine and I were there, we were going to the Jordan River. And uh, not to give you a spoiler alert, but the place where Jesus was baptized is in a different location, 100 yards away from the you know anyways the river has shifted <laughs> so we go to the place where he supposedly was there and on our way there i'm sitting with a family who happens to be an international family and they were of a different religious background i believe it was hindu and and i said wow it's interesting that you're coming here to see this is there some some reason why mm-hmm. is there anything of a spiritual nature to you being going on this and they said no it's just we'd like to see a christian uh, a holy site mm-hmm. And uh, and I said, have you ever considered what Jesus did, mm. and is that something that you'd ever be willing to explore? Yeah. And there was the discussion. Well, yes, of course. And then you know, and and then I said, and in your understanding, what would one need to do to be saved, to mm. receive? Maybe the wording wasn't even correct in the Hindu mindset that I was using, but there was just this idea of the balances. Hmm. that was spoken of. I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. The more good I do, outweighing the negative that I do. And that kind of then enters me into the category of receiving yeah. what the good gods would have for me. Yeah. Um, it's very drastic in Christianity. I mean, here it says, uh, you will see the God's glory and his exact representation sustaining all things and by his powerful word mm-hmm. By what? The purification that he had done, the purification of sins. Mm-hmm. Then he sits at the right hand of the Father. Wow. It is so unique to Christianity that it is unlike any other yeah. religious understanding in, in other other groups, I guess I could yeah. say. So
0: it's not just believing something in theory, it is also receiving something. It's practicing what mm. it means to follow God yes. and to receive His forgiveness and be forgiven. Yeah, you know when you talk about this idea of, of it being unique, this this purification of sins being unique to Christianity, I'm reminded of the book that we're reading as a staff, right? Um, written by Michael Gillian. Yeah, um, believing, believing is seeing. Yeah, and he talks about that how. It seems like the picture of God that is in the Old Testament is very logical. Mm. And it's logical like all the other religions are logical. You get what you deserve. Mm -hmm, That mm -hmm. seems to be the theme that he sees running through the Old Testament. I would argue against that because I do see a lot of grace in the Old Testament. But then you get to the New Testament and all of a sudden you realize really the message of the Old is this idea that no, it's not that you get what you deserve. You get what you don't deserve mm. and that is illogical mm. it's illogical which is why he calls it a profound truth right? yes he, he makes yes. a differentiation between profound truths and simple truths that simple truths are the ones that we're used to that if something is true the opposite must be not true
1: right 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 right, right. but
0: that there do exist in this world profound truths that where the, the, the positive is true, but also the negative is true, mm, right? Mm, mm, he uses the example of quantum physics, which I don't fully understand, but he <laughs> describes it as that in quantum physics, there's the idea that in space, and void, there is nothingness. Mm. But also, there is something.
1: Mm.
0: So the tr- what is true and not true is the same in, in, in the void, that there is nothing. It is absolutely true that there is nothing, but it's also true that there is something.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: And that is a profound truth yeah. because... Because the opposites are both true. Right. And that's the same thing with God. God, Jesus, was fully human mm. and fully divine. Mm. Both are true. They seem to be opposites,
1: yeah. but so, both, both are true. Yeah. Yeah. I remember finishing a book this week, and, and there was a unique quote that kind of hits me. It was just because it doesn't make sense doesn't mean that it's nonsense. Yes. And it's like, whoa, wait a second. When we yeah. talk about quantum physics, was light a wave is it a particle yeah. it's both wait a second this doesn't make sense it's nonsense it doesn't yeah. work wait a second you're saying that god died for me paid for my sins in the cross and therefore i can get salvation if i receive that that doesn't make sense yeah. and you know what it's probably nonsense as well yeah that's kind of what happens unfortunately in kind of social circles in society when you talk about does christianity make sense mm. in some ways grace does not make sense doesn't. it mm. really doesn't at all
0: yeah.
1: but does it make it nonsense no mm. and i and i love uh dr julian's book because it's like hey, hey, hey just because you don't understand it fully yeah. in the grander scheme of how it all works Scientifically, this is what we see. And that's reality. Yeah. In Christianity, grace doesn't make sense in the bigger scheme that you can comprehend. But in the grander one that God does, that's how he designed it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly it. And that's the beauty, that's the profound beauty of grace, right? That God somehow made it both true that justice happened.
1: Mm-hmm. Justice
0: we normally think of as you get what is fair. You get what right. you deserve. Right. Justice happened, but at the same time, there is mercy. Mm. How can you both have both? How mm. can you have justice mm. and mercy? And yet in, in Jesus, both are true. Yeah. And that is the brilliance of who Jesus is, and which is why I think the author of Hebrews is overwhelmed by this profound truth yeah. and writes it in such beautiful yeah. ways.
1: You know, becoming a parent has really given me so much more clarity into the heart of a father. In particular, think of our Heavenly Father. And the idea of justice and mercy makes sense as a parent. Mm. I love this little boy, this little girl. I need to, though, be accountable to you in staying consistent with Mm. the rules of the home. We established these so that there could be order. Mm. You step out of line to it. I'm willing to show you mercy when it's needed. But I also need to be just because mm. if I don't teach you in this moment, you're going to be a little hellion later on. <laughs> people won't like you. I like how Jordan Peterson uh, puts it, the social kind of thinker of today's kind of age. He's like, if you don't train up a child when they're young, mm. they will become someone later on that people just hate being around. Mm. Do the work when they're young so they can understand that later on. Wow. You know, so it's like there's this mercy and grace that I have to pour out on, but I also need to make sure there's justice, yes. a little bit of spanking going on, <laughs> a little bit of, you know, hey, that's not okay conversation, taking away rewards, you know, it's like, oh, my daddy, hey, that's what we agreed to. So true. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and God does the same thing for us, right? Yeah. Um, I love um, Max Lucado's imagery where he describes his relationship with his son and says, I love my son and my son sometimes, and this was a long time ago when his son was younger, will sit in a a sandbox and eat the sand. Mm. And he asks the question, do I still love my son despite the fact that he eats sand? (laughs) And he (laughs) says, yes, I love him despite the fact that he eats I love him just the way he is. Yeah. but because I love him, I'm not going to just let him continue to eat sand. Mm. I'm going to give him ice cream instead, something that's better than sand for you to consume. And so he says, God treats us the same way. God loves us just the way that we are, Mm. but he doesn't leave us that way. He Mm. wants us to be just like Jesus. Mm. And I I think that is the beauty and the profound beauty of of God is that God, God doesn't Justice means that God doesn't leave us the way that we are, mm. but mercy means that he provides us a way to be better. Mm. He doesn't leave us in our own devices. He mm. provides a path to something something better. Mm.
1: Yeah. You know, it's unfortunate that sometimes we, as well as those who don't believe in Christ, would doubt that God is for you. Mm. He is for you more than you ever would even imagine. He yes. is grander, more beautiful, more gracious, loving than you ever even believed. And yet the journey of of growth yeah. requires sometimes this idea of holding one accountable. But it's never to punish. Forever, it is simply to grow and spurn yes. to greater growth. Yeah having some time right now with a young man who's found himself in the throes of a cage, you know, in prison. Mm-hmm. And he's almost grateful because he realizes, I want to pay my dues. I understand what I did was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to the day I get to go out wow. and make go on with my life. Um, it's difficult to think about that in our own life. It's like, the consequences are so terrible. Mm. I hate experiencing the consequences. Yeah. Um, and that's sometimes where people leave God. He's mm. just judgmental. He just, you know, is going to keep me from the things I want to do in life. Yeah. Um, but when you look at it within the scope of there's a beautiful order that was created for your and my benefit, yeah. you realize, oh, I remember sitting down with a young adult who was pondering staying in the relationship with his girlfriend. he was living with or choosing a path like i probably should marry her Mm -hmm. we probably shouldn't be living together right now i need to make all these decisions but it was like but living together saving the money doing all this is just so much easier and it makes sense to me but then all of a sudden the other part is wow there's consequences to that Mm -hmm. we know statistically as social scientists have studied south you live together before you get married more likely for divorce. Mm -hmm. You live together when you're in this state, you could get pregnant. You haven't made a commitment to each other. Will the father stay in the pic? You know, there's just all of these Mm -hmm. journeys that one has to wrestle through when you're going by your own logic, Mm -hmm. trying to make a decision. And Jesus, I think here in this passage, Mm -hmm. ushers us into an understanding. He's at the right hand of the father. He has provided something that's for you, for your benefit. Mm -hmm. And he wants to draw all people to himself. Yes. Wow.
0: And those 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 moments where you face the consequences of what you've done, like you you said, aren't meant by God to push people away. Mm-hmm. They're meant to be opportunities for people to draw closer yeah. to God to yeah. get their attention. Right. Right. And you see that throughout the the prophets. Right. When God pronounces judgment on the people in the prophets. He's not doing so because he's saying, well, I'm angry at you, so I'm going to punish you and then leave you to your own devices. Mm. The prophets always end with, but if you will turn back Mm. to me, my arms will embrace you. I mean, it's like the most beautiful language. And you're wondering, how can God do judgment on the people when he loves them that much? Mm. But he does judgment because he loves them that much. And, And sometimes when we face the consequences, like you said, the consequences of what? Of of the choices we make, it can feel like the end. Mm. It can feel like for someone that goes to prison, it can feel like, man, my life is over. Oh yeah. How am I going to overcome this? How oh, yeah. How does my life turn around from right. this point on? Right. It can feel, and I'm sure that's how the Israelites felt, right? The Ju- mm-hmm, Jews felt mm-hmm. when they went into. Into when they saw their temple destroyed, they saw their city raised to the ground, yeah, yeah. and they were the majority of them were taken into exile. Yes, that probably felt like the end. Oh, oh, yeah. oh this is the end of us as God's people, this mm. is the end of the Jewish people, mm. and yet that wasn't mm-hmm. it, wasn't the mm-hmm. end. God grew something even more beautiful out of that. People came back to him, and then from that grew a people that he could now send his mm. son. Mm. To to spread the message of God's love to the entire world. Yes. And so even when the consequences feel like they are the end, they don't have to be mm. when we if we just turn back to God. Yeah. Because the grace is always available to yes. us,
1: no yes. matter what consequences yeah. we face. Yeah. I think this week's lesson was beautiful, focusing on on these first four verses. And I, I want to just read this last part here, mm. uh verse four. He sits at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. The name of Jesus is so superior to any other name. Mm. If someone is named Jesus and you're walking around, you're like, whoa, that's a very big title to take here. But the name of Jesus carries power. Mm. And I... I would love for each one of us, you watching right now, to take so seriously that name Jesus in your life right now. What has he done for you? What do you yearn for Christ to do for you? What do you want Jesus to be in the lives of those that are around you, your grandchildren, your children? How might you be a conduit of Jesus to someone in your life this week? Wow. 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 So powerful. And what a way to end. How can
0: we be a conduit to draw other people closer to God? Yeah. And how can we experience the challenges that we face in our lives, even the consequences of bad decisions, Mm. as opportunities to draw nearer to him? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Philip, could you pray for us? Absolutely.
1: Let's do that. Bow our heads together. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, which has provided healing balm our ailments, to our weaknesses, to our frustrations. God, you know, someone right now is struggling with something. They're feeling the pain of loss in some way, unmet expectations, a sin. And Father, I thank you that your word declares He who is faithful and just will forgive us of our sins. Mm. And so, Lord, please right now cleanse us of unrighteousness individually, those who are hearing my voice at this moment but heal us corporately as a community of believers here in our church in Loma Linda, globally as a community of faith, as Seventh-day Adventists, and as Christians around the world, may we be forgiven of misrepresenting the name of Jesus to the world. Mm -hmm. God, may we be that conduit you've called us to, to represent you well, pick up our cross and walk forward, Mm -hmm. that the world might see Jesus through us. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So friends, this beautiful truth
0: that Jesus is God and in flesh who came down to save us, keep that in your hearts throughout the rest of this Sabbath. But what makes that truth even more beautiful is the fact that God did it all so that we could draw closer to him. So let this be an opportunity for us to also be those conduits to draw others. Closer to him. Hope you have a happy Sabbath.